Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast for Dundee Museum of Transport. I'm joined today on the upper deck of the Routemaster Double Decker Bus by two members of the 749 Club. Welcome along, Neil and Ian. Hello. Okay, probably a good place to start is... Tell us know a little bit more about the 749 Club and what it's all about. Well, the 749 Club, I think, started about four years ago. There's four of us in it, and we all have an interest in transport. I mean, two of the members actually work in the railways, so there's a, you know, there's, there's a transport interest there. But I think we've all had interest in, in buses and transport, and I think in the past... Well, certainly I and one of the other members have thought about buying a bus and, you know, developing it. But actually, it's quite a difficult thing to do because you can't keep a bus outside your front gate. So you have to think about how you're, you're going to manage, you know, looking after a bus. Uh, anyway, we had, we had the opportunity of buying one three, four, three and a half years ago. It must be 2013. Which was a single-decker, which we acquired. And that sort of started the, the process going. And since then, we've acquired two double-deckers, one of which we're sitting in just now. Four of you in the club. Would it be helpful to have maybe people who, like-minded people with interested in buses and, and transport and things, that could maybe come in and help out with some of the works and things that you're doing? Yes, I mean, and we we do do that. And there's a lot of stuff we can do ourselves. You know, the internal painting and. But none of us are mechanics, and none of us have expertise in buses. Um, so when it comes to looking after these things, and they are, you know, serious pieces, particularly the Routemaster, quite complex pieces of machinery, we do need assistance because there's technical aspects of keeping these things in good condition that we need, you know, help with. If there are experts in, you know, running Routemasters out there, yes, please, please, please let us know. This bus in particular is quite a complex piece of machinery. You do need experts and people competent because clearly these things are out in the road. And one of the things we do take very seriously is making sure that they are in you know, good roadworthy condition. We get them looked at every 12 weeks, which we think is the responsible thing to do, to make sure that if we're out with them ourselves or we're taking people out on them, and we do do that in certain conditions, in certain circumstances, that these buses are in proper condition. We are very fortunate because of our association with the museum that we have access as it is to a certain, uh, certain level of expertise, particularly, as Ian says, with this Routemaster, which really requires specialist treatment. We've been fortunate so far being able to obtain the necessary skills, but uh, if there's anybody else out there, yes, then any assistance uh, would, be, would be welcome, I'm sure. Could you maybe, in three words, put a description 
you know, to try and create a picture for those who are listening. Just using three words that mm-hmm. might best come to mind with something like that. Three words. Well, that's, that's a tricky one. I mean, uh, I mean, I the, the, the root master has been called the British design icon. Yes. <laughs> three words. Yes. Um, and I think it probably is. I mean, if you ask someone about a bus, they'll probably say. A big red London bus, which they may not know it's called a route bus, a big red London bus, because this is what people tend to identify with, I think, if, they, if they're talking about historic buses, which is one of the reasons we actually wanted one, because they, you know, they, they, they are quite a showpiece. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way of describing it. It, mm-hmm. it, is, it is one of the best designs, best in sort of transport designs probably there's ever been. I mean, this, this bus was built in 67, 67. and was running until 2005. And this was one of the last ones that the design was inaugurated in the 1950s. The first route masters were put into service in 1956, I think. And this one, they were still building them in the late 60s. I think this stopped with this design in early 1968. There were reasons for the, the design falling out of favour, which was to do with the government grants that were being made available for, for new buses. But they're very serviceable vehicles. But they are actually quite unusual. People will look at this and say it, it's like a, an ordinary half-cab bus of, of that type. But actually they're very different in many ways from the other type of bus such as we have here as well. The other buses, you said you have a, a single-decker bus as well as the two double-deckers. What can you share with us about the single-decker bus, because it's a completely different concept to, to something like this. Mm, yeah. It's a coach more than a, a bus. It was it was an early kind of express coach. It's a Bristol LS, and it dates from 1957, and it started its life down in the southwest of England. It was operated by Western National, and the branding used for it was the Royal Blue. It, it, it's It's got Royal Blue on the front of it, and the Royal Blue services were a kind of early express coach operation. It's quite a head-turner. People do like the, the Royal Blue coach. It, seem, it seems to appeal to them when, when it's on display. Another thing to say, that the, the title of the 749 Club comes from the registration number of this first vehicle. Ah, I was going to ask where yeah, that came from. VDV 749. So that's, just, that's, that's why we chose that as, as the name of the, the club. I, I was going to look at the significance of, of where the 749 came from. It's but no it's more significant <laughs> than registration plate <laughs> of the first bus we had. Okay, so a bus like this, obviously designed to carry people about, I believe last year, late autumn time, there was a an occasion where the bus was involved in something to do with the trams. Can you maybe give me a bit more information about that? Well, we were aware that 21st of October 2016 was the 60th anniversary of the closure of the Dundee tramway system and we felt that the museum should do something to acknowledge this. So the plan was formed to have the museum use this Routemaster bus to undertake a tour of the old tramway system, stopping off at places of interest such as the old Termini and what I did was I, I also produced a small informative historical document for people to, to look at as we went round, telling something about the history of the tramway system. So how many, Ian, how many people do you think we had? I think we had day? about 50. It was a wide cross-section of people. It wasn't just you know older people remembering the trams. There were a lot of kids on the, on the bus. Um, and 
I think it, it, it went very well. There was a lot of interest. Um, we stopped at various places to let people off, have a look at the, the various places that the tram stopped. And, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a good afternoon. I, I, I wondered how many people actually would be interested in, in doing that on a, on a sort of rather cold October <laughs> Sunday afternoon. It was bright, but, bright but cold. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 there was a lot of interest. We could only allow about 50 people on the bus. I, I'm not sure how many pe- more people we could have got. But it was certainly full to you know the, the, the amount of people we felt we could take, and uh, yeah, I think it was a large, wide cross section of people. I think it was a quite a successful day. Perhaps a good time to, to kind of link in between what we've been talking about with buses and trams, because I understand that the Transport Museum are to be having some talks and chats about the old trams in Dundee. Is that maybe something you can help us with, Neil? I've been asked by the museum to give a talk on the twenty seventh of April about the history of the trams. Now, I'm an amateur, I'm not a historian, I'm a railwayman, but I've been interested in the history of Dundee ever since I was a child, and I've been interested in the tramway system. Now, it closed down over seven years before I was born. However, there are still enough people around who remember the cars, tramfares, and they remember them well. And, of course, Dundonians love old Dundee stuff. So what I want to do is, is... present the history of the tramway system, focusing upon the, the aspects that people remember, but maybe bringing out some of the, the, the historical elements which people might not be so aware of. Very importantly, what we have here at the museum is the old horse car number 24, which was the last horse tram built for Dundee in 1897. It was hiding in a garden in Perth, acting as some kind of summer house. People knew it was there, it must have been there since between the wars, I think. But they thought it was a Perth tram. Nobody knew that a Dundee horse tram had survived until somebody, I think, went and started scraping some of the paint off the exterior and found the identification of the Dundee District Tramway Company, which was the private company that ran the, the system in those days. So great excitement, of course. And the museum managed to acquire this, this tram car for restoration, and it can be seen in the exhibition hall. There's that one. There are two other Dundee trams survived, both of which were steam car trailers, one of which is Car 21, which is down at Kreitch in Derbyshire at the, the National Tramway Museum. The other one, part of it anyway, has been restored as the old tram kiosk at the end of the High Street and Commercial Street, and that's steam car trailer number two. So those are the three surviving Dundee tram cars. The early days of the tramway system is really quite quite interesting to, to look at and I hope to bring some of that to life as well when I, when I do the, the presentation in April. And again, obviously, the link is further ex- extended by the new home that will become the home for the Transport Museum at the tram depot up at Stopsmill. Maryfield, yes, yes. Maryfield Depot was built in 1901 to house the new electric cars. The corporation took over the tramway system in 1899 and almost immediately set about modernising it and bringing in this then quite new technology of electrification. And uh, and these electric tram cars were the, the wonder of the age. And Maryfield Depot was constructed as one of the places where they were to be housed. And it was actually extended twice Eventually it came to to have a capacity of 70 trams and it really was the principal tramway depot in the city. There was the the garage in Lockheed Road and there was one out at Lockheed as well. But Maryfield's always thought of as the main 
tramway depot. Quite a, an important historic building. We are up at the Maryfield Tram Depot, which is going to be the new home of the museum in the next few years, standing in the middle of the most massive mammoth empty space that you could possibly think of. It's a bit echoey, you might notice that. I'm joined by two members from the museum. We've got Dean Hutton. Hi, Dean. How are you doing? Hi, there. And, uh, of course, Sam, manager. Hi there again. (laughs) We are going to have a wee wander about just to talk about some of the things that we can see as we are going through. And Dean and Sam will be able to talk me out. So, towards the back of the building at the moment, what can you tell us about this particular area at this time? This was uh, originally a stench and this was added on after World War II, 1910. I think there was two stenchions. The original one is near the front of the building, the second extension is added on near the back. Looking about, it's, it's just a massive, massive building. On the left, it seems to be a little bit of disappear. What, what can you tell us about that? Uh, so at some point there was a smallish fire here, which has made that part of the building fire damaged um, and you can see that when you look at aerial shots of the building the actual main original building that was built in 1901 is still standing albeit in need of a lot of repairs. You know, do we know how many trams used to be up here? This originally held up to 80 buses and trams at the time What's quite nice about the tram depot is when you come in, you would have seen some of the original tram lines running through, and certainly at the front with the cobbled area, all the original tram lines are there as well, which just gives it a quite unique feel to the building and obviously makes it ideal for a museum of transport. So this yeah. bit here, where we're, we're now in, it looks like a big it's like a concertina door. Do, do you think <laughs> yeah. this is maybe a, where one part ended and another part started? I think this, what we believe is that the front part, this is the original part that we're walking towards. And then, um, so this part here, you've got this door, but you can also see the brickwork is quite different. And it was only a couple of weeks ago that Dean pointed that out to me, actually, that um, you could actually see from the brickwork that this would have been the extension. You can see the line where, where it was. So it's nice to be able to pick up on these little details and mark out. Um, you know exactly where things were built and when. We're now at the front of the tram depot and I'm looking here at a kind of corner wooden office with a mezzanine above it. I don't know if you know any bit more about the history of what we're, we're standing in front of at the moment. The office block is meant to look like a tram car what, what we believe. There was a changing room in the inspector's office was upstairs what a fair for a couple of corporation drivers who used to work in here. So, so the talk was for the inspectors so that they could see what was, was happening <laughs> and this, this bottom area was, was a changing facility. And I think this is something that we'd, we would you know, like to retain if possible because it's a big depot and I guess although it has original features there's, there's not a lot of, um, sort of little offices and things here so because of the shape of it and it's just quite an interesting um, part of the building so ideally um, with the redevelopment this is something that we'd like to retain. I didn't even realise it was in the shape of a tram you know you just kind of look at it and think of it as an office but it definitely has that shape at the front and um, around the sides as well so it's um, just a nice touch you know that they've added when they've they've put the building together. So standing outside the old tram depot at Maryfield, standing here in front of the original tram lines, tram points and cobbled area an area that's it's 
just takes you back in, in history and this is maybe a good point where we should maybe ask for people who have memories and perhaps even photographs of this Sam do you think it would be good if we could get a hold of some pictures of, of how it used to be when it was in working order? Oh definitely and if anyone has any photographs of the tram depot from at any point in its history it would be great um, to see them but we're also keen to hear from people who either lived in the local area um, or continue to live in the local area that have memories you know, of the trams or the buses coming in and out of here or worked here, that would be also really great for the displays at the museum. So hopefully we'll hear from some people. A big thanks to all our guests this week. We had Neil and Ian from the 749 Club and Dean and Sam up at the Maryfield Depot. Listen in again next week. 